Bible podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joey Bonifacio. The essence of the church, we said, is it's a community. And we said it's a community that's gathered around Jesus and no one else. A community that cannot be destroyed, no matter what the force may be, the greatest of military might, the strongest of demons. And thirdly, we said a community that holds the keys to the kingdom of God. The following week, we talked about what it means to be a church and the devotions that the church is involved in. Pray, meditate, proclaim, and fellowship. Last week, we went practical explaining to you what Every Nation Singapore is all about, a church that's local and yet has global impact. Today, as we land this entire series, I've entitled this message, The Mystery, Diversity, the Unity that is Revealed in the Church. We're looking at the book of Ephesians. And you might be saying, Pastor, last year we took two months talking about the book of Ephesians. And that is true. Now, this letter of the book of Ephesians was written by Paul six years after his ministry in the city of Ephesus. And the reason why it's important to understand is because the book of Ephesians is indeed a very rich book. Remember that last year we talked about evil days ahead out of Ephesians chapter 6 and summarily follow that up with seven other messages from the book of Ephesians. But today, I want to look at the book of Ephesians and Ephesus in light of the church. I want to start in Acts 19, verse 17, where it says, When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, Ephesians, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. This is the beginnings of the church in a city that was filled with Greeks and Jews and Romans. It was a metropolitan city, and yet when they heard the name of Jesus, It was held in high honor, and the church was birthed in Ephesus. Many of those who believed now came, who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. They were proclaiming Jesus, and we see this idea of the early church proclaiming the truth about who Jesus is in the marketplace, not in the four walls. In fact, in those days, the church didn't even have even have a building. A number of those who practice sorcery; these are now demonic people, people who have have all these other beliefs and their scrolls, their, 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 their teachings together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which is a lot of money at that time, showing the reverence that they had for the truth about Jesus and his church. The city of Ephesus was a metropolitan hub. It was a showcase city of the Roman Empire. It had a giant Colosseum. It had a an amazing marketplace, which today you can tour. I've been to Ephesus three times now in my in my time, and I've seen it. It's a, an amazing city. It was used to be had a port that dried up over the years, over the centuries. It's connected to a dry dock, and it has massive buildings, and it was really libraries and even temples, characterized by political, economic, and religious strength. In fact, the stronghold of the city is the woman named Artemis, which you will see again in Acts 19, found ended up to have a riot because the people were seeing the growth of the church. And as the church was growing, the, the, the influence of Artemis was waning in the city. Acts chapter 19 continues in verse 28. When they heard this, they were furious, began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, because now they were seeing that Jesus was usurping and taking over the, the faith of the people. Soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater and there was a riot. And now we arrive at the book of Ephesians. 
And I want to look at what Paul wrote as the essential things that we find in the church six years after all of these events have happened. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 begins. It says, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. A mystery is simply something that is baffling, something that cannot be readily explained. And yet here Paul is saying, I need you to understand the insight into the mystery of Jesus, which was not made known to people in other generations, speaking of the Old Testament, speaking of centuries long before this event has happened, and has now been revealed by Spirit, Spirit of, to God's holy apostles and the prophets. The first point I want to make is the revelation of the mystery, the mystery revealed. A mystery is simply something that's difficult, if not is impossible to explain. And yet here Paul is attempting to explain to us the mystery of the church, the mystery of Jesus revealed to us. The first is that the Greeks or the Gentiles rather are co-heirs in Christ. In other words, while the gospel arrived to the Jews, it was now spreading to the Gentiles. And the mystery was that God wanted to reach all kinds of people. When you say Gentiles, that simply means the entire world except the Jews. And God is saying through Paul, that the mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. The entire Israel nation, the entire community of God is now reaching out to the world and are members now of one body, the church, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. This was the first mystery. The mystery is that through Jesus, the entire world and are now becoming heirs of the very promises of God in the Old Testament to the, Isra- to the Jews to Israel and are now becoming members of the one body, the church, and are now sharers together in the promise of Jesus. The mystery was revealed. But more than that, Paul continues by saying, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed through this mystery of the church. He says in verse eight, although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of what? This mystery. In other words, to make plain to you the administration of this mystery that now the whole world was now being opened up to the truth of who Jesus is and to his church, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. For ages and centuries, this truth was hidden and the Jews and the Israelites in the Old Testament were responsible for keeping this mystery alive. Now today, through the church, the, re- the revelation of God's intent to reveal the fullness of his wisdom, the fullness of the revelation of this mystery. Watch what it says in verse 10. It says his intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. It is through the church that people will know the truth of the manifold wisdom of God that he wants to reveal to his people. The mystery revealed begins with the Gentiles or co-heirs in Christ. The manifold wisdom of God is revealed to the church. And thirdly, in the second, back again to verse 10 of chapter 3, his intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. To whom? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice the words rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's intent was to reveal who he was, to the Gentiles, as now they are now co-heirs, welcome to his kingdom through the church, revealed to them through the manifold wisdom of God through the church and to rulers both on earth 
and in the very heavenlies and to every demon and to every superpower that is there in the heavenlies, God was revealing the mystery. The mystery revealed is followed by diversity revealed. The Gentiles is the greatest picture of diversity. There's all kinds of shapes and sizes. And in the Gentiles, we find a diversity of race. We find a diversity of language and tongue, culture, and even beliefs. It's enough to speak about diversity when you think about the number of tribes, languages, beliefs, and nations in the Gentile world. But God did not stop there. The second revelation was that the diversity revealed. The diversity of leadership was necessary in order to reach the entirety of the various kinds of people and races and languages. And so we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the diversity of leadership and gifts that God has given us. It says in chapter 4, verse 11, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles. It wasn't just apostles just turned up. Christ himself gave us apostles. These are leaders who are managing the governance of the church, the people that set into place the very teachings, the very foundations, the very truth about who Jesus is and is making sure that that stays in place as the main pillar of the church. He goes on to say that through Jesus, he didn't just give us apostles who knew how to direct, to cast vision, to start things, to be entrepreneurial. He gave us prophets. Prophets were seers. Prophets were a a tandem with the apostles to be able to see where we're going at a specific junction in time. And it was Christ who gave this church, his church, the ability to govern through leadership of various types of giftings. He also gave some to be evangelists, those people who can go out and reach people and speak the truth of Jesus and gather people into his church. And as the people gathered, he provided leaders called pastors people who could care for the sick, people who care for the wounded, people who would care for those who are suffering all kinds of anguish. And finally, he gave them teachers, people who could continue to teach them about who Jesus is and the nature of the church. The diversity revealed included the diversity of leadership and the gifts of these leaders. More than that, the diversity of services and roles. Further in Ephesians chapter 4, as verse 10 continues in verse 11, Christ himself gave these apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers to what? To equip God's people for the works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Notice the words to equip God's people for works of service. The point of diversity is because people have different needs. We need parents and husbands and wives. We need teachers and we need doctors and we need uh, business people, and we need governors, and we need uh, statesmen, we need senators, we need presidents, we need uh, service people, we need people who will do all kinds of things, we need lawyers who are godly. We need to equip these people through the church with the various realities of the kingdom of God to understand who Jesus is, to understand the teachings of Jesus, so that we will not just stay in the four walls of a church, but to impermeate and affect the entirety of society so that the very body of Christ, the church, may be built up. Now, this is an amazing thing as we jump down to verse 16 of chapter 4. For to him, for him, the whole body, the church, is is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. If you think about our bodies, which he's likening to a church, we have different parts and pieces that come together in order to grow and build itself up which is the third part of this equation, for the purpose of growth, for the purpose of building itself up in love 
as each part does its work. The second point I want to make is their diversity revealed, the diversity of leadership and gifts, the diversity of services and roles for the purpose of growth and building up. And finally, the mystery, diversity, and the unity revealed. The third thing I want to point out in Ephesians, according to what Paul says the church is, is it is a place where you have the, the diversity, yes. Yes, you have the mystery revealed, but there's unity that brings it all together. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and there is one Spirit. There it is. The whole goal of all of the diversity and the differences of the races of the Gentiles and the mystery that's been revealed is to build unity and to form one body and one spirit. When you hear the words body and spirit, it's a principle of the principle of power and form, that there is a spiritual side, which is something that is of power, and there is a form or a body that is built up. Something that drives the church is not just the structures and the buildings and the forms and the organizations, but the power of the spirit behind it. The unity revealed begins with the idea of the unity of the body and the spirit. Further in verse 4, it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. The way we find hope through the church is through this idea of the physical body of Christ coming together in one spirit in Jesus. In verse 5 and 6, it says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Now, that's a a lot of words, but let me break this down for you so you can grasp the meaning of this idea of unity. Spirit and body united, one Lord, one faith. One Lord means one God, Jesus Christ, whom we serve, who surrender to, and on the basis of that surrendering to this one Jesus, we have one faith together. The unity revealed is the unity of the body and the spirit through one Lord and one faith. Back in chapter four, Uh, Chapter 4, 5, and 6, it says, one baptism and one God. Baptism simply means to be immersed in the one place of fellowship with God. And as a result of that, we have one Father together, which is what binds us together. Not the similarities, not that we all have the same religion, not that we have all the same dress code, not that we all go to the same form of building, but we're immersed and baptized into this one presence of one Father. And finally, it says, and God and Father who is over all in all. Notice the words all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. He's talking about unity that is deeper than just being the same organization. The unity revealed begins with the unity of the body and the spirit. It goes forward through one Lord and one faith, and through one baptism and one Father. The Gentiles is indeed the picture of diversity, as we said, of race, of tongue, of culture, and even of belief. The church, on the other hand, is the picture of the unity through one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Father. Let me end this short message by summarizing the mystery revealed. It begins with the Gentiles are now co-heirs in Christ. The manifold wisdom of God is revealed. The rulers of the earth and the heavenly place and, and heavenly rulers have been told about the mystery. Secondly, the diversity is revealed. The diversity of leadership and of gifts, the diversity of services and roles for the purpose of growing and building up the church. And finally, the unity revealed through one body, one spirit, one one God, 
through one Lord and one faith and through one baptism and one Father. Pick up a bread and a cup and join me in a short word of prayer. Jesus, thank you for giving us the church and for making us part of the church. We honor you and we glorify you as the head of the church and we as members of the body bless one another as we partake of this communion. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.